Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Why does Crackers always want to sit in my spot? (laughs) Because he loves you, Liz. He knows you hate him, and so he loves you. (laughs) I don't hate him. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's very special episode, we're going to answer questions posted in our Facebook group, and we're going to answer them fast. That's right, lightning fast. Whenever we do a listener questions episode, we always feel like we didn't answer nearly enough questions. Mm -hmm. So today we're doing a lightning listener questions episode. We're going to get through as many questions as we possibly can. By the way, if you'd like to join our Facebook group so you can ask a question for a future lightning listener question episode, just search Happier in Hollywood on Facebook, send us a request, and we will welcome you to the group. Okay, Sarah, let's just dive in and get to it. Okay, this comes from Simone. She asks, as parents, do you ever feel that the enormous emotional energy you invest in your children depletes your creative energy that you need to work? If so, how do you overcome that? Well, Sarah, I think that's more a question for you because I feel like as an only parent, you have to even give more energy. You have less breaks than I do. Um, The fast answer is no. I actually feel like the sort of nice times that I have with Violet um, reinvigorates my creative energy. It can be hard scheduling those times in, but, (laughs) but when I do, it really helps. All right, next question. Mike wrote, do either of you ever always write for a specific character in a show? I guess another way of asking this is, do either of you ever take ownership of a specific character and it becomes off limits to the other writer or the staff writers, other staff writers? We get this question a lot, and the answer is no. We do not take ownership of a character. That is not a thing people do. I think some people love writing certain characters, but no, when you're on a staff, everybody writes every character. And takes ownership of all of them. Uh, Heather asked, you've told us that TV writers really need to be in L.A., but is it the same for screenplay writers? If a nobody, quotes, who doesn't live in L.A. or have an agent, etc., wrote a screenplay, would they have a chance in hell of getting someone to buy it? The lightning fast answer is no. <laughs> Maybe if they're in New York. Well, that's true. You kind of need to be in New York or L.A. 
Okay, Jessica asked, how will your fiction podcast and your Onward Project commitments work along with your two pilots in terms of where and how you spend your time? Short answer is we just fit it in. Yes. Um, We're not doing a lot of work on the fiction podcasts. Yes. Yes. That suffering and the rest we're fitting in. Yep. Amy asked, what tips would you give to young adults who are interested in moving to a new city like you both did when you moved to L.A.? How to deal with the transition, how to financially prep, meet new people, etc. Well, join groups, writers groups. Save money beforehand if you can, but otherwise just dive in. And get roommates. Yes. Okay, Jackie said, what do you think it is about you and or Sarah that allows you to keep working in a career that seems hell-bent on beating you down? I don't handle rejection well, so I haven't even ever tried writing a book, which I would love to do. If I had one show that got canceled, I would run away and never look back. I can't imagine how you two pick yourselves up over and over and keep climbing the mountain. Is there a larger goal, incredible stubbornness, creative passion? Yes, all three of those, yes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just everybody deals with it. So rejection is part of it. It's part of the process. Yes. So it, it's not like you're alone. And we have each other. Yeah. Sharman asks, how do you financially plan in an industry of feast or famine? And then she also says, during pilot season, when do you get paid? Okay, so first of all, you don't get paid for a long time, which is very hard. You're supposed to get paid when you first sell it, then more when you turn in a story area, then more when you turn in the outline, then more when you turn in the first draft, then more when it's completed. Uh, It takes months and months and months, and it's crazy making. And I know we're being lightning fast, but I have to add that I do think you and I have not been as vigilant as we should about preparing for famine. I feel like that is a weakness of ours. And probably a weakness of most writers. Yes. So take this as a warning. Save your money. Yes. Okay. Alicia said, what is something that an academic advisor can share with students who want to work in the industry but don't go to a college that offers an industry major? Well, tell them to listen to this podcast. Yes. And there are so many resources now, so many books. Read screenplays. Yes. is a huge one. And you can find them online. Okay. Kelly asks, if you hadn't taken the leap to move to L.A. and pursue your writing dreams, where do you think you would be today? Well, I would definitely be living in New York. Probably, I, I bet I'd be a book agent. What about you? I know we're supposed to be lightning fast, but I really don't know. I think I would be maybe writing books and living in Minneapolis. That's if everything had gone well. If everything hadn't gone well, uh, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. See, I would think that you would be like running a a nonprofit. Oh, that sounds nice. Yes. I would see you being like a high-powered nonprofit badass. I like that version, too. And then Heather asked, this is a question we've gotten a lot. Mm -hmm. She asked, how are you managing without an assistant? Fine. Fine. It's really (laughs) hard for plane tickets. Yes. I Uh, often booked my own plane tickets anyway, but yes. Um, Of course, we miss Mary and we miss having an assistant. But, um, you know, we are adults. We do know how to do things on our own. And it's also, I mean, in some ways easier because it's someone we don't have to manage. Right. You know, like we just cut out the middleman. Yes, exactly. Having said that, I look forward to having one again. Yes. (laughs) Suzanne asks, you both are very health conscious. What is something you wish you would have started earlier in life in regards to healthy choices? Well, you're way more. I mean, you're much better about healthy choices than I am. But what's something you wish you'd done earlier in life? 
ugh, I mean, what do I not wish I'd done earlier in life? I wish that I had uh, become a vegan when I was like 14. Oh, interesting. I wish that I um, had done more exercise more regularly younger because I still feel like I get in and out of it. And I feel like if I had had it more ingrained that that's what I do, I wouldn't have so many down periods. That too. I'm right there with you on that one. Okay, Sarah, we're going to take a quick break, but then we'll be back with more questions. Lightning fast. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, we're back. Danielle wrote, if both of your pilots go to series, how will you manage the writer's room and divvy up the responsibilities? Also, without agents, how are you staffing your rooms? Fingers crossed, both go. Agree, fingers crossed. So two questions. First question is, well, it's unlikely to happen, but if Very it does, unlikely. knock on wood. We're both in first position on one project. Yes. So Liz is point on one and I'm point on the other. And then we would just go back and forth. We'd have to be in the same location. Yeah. Um, and we would both just go back and forth and work our asses off. Yes. And without agents, you staff your rooms by using the WGA portal, using the other resources that the WGA has kindly set up. And by using producers and people you know and people they know. Yes. And also there are great Facebook groups set up with writers that, you know, people are using as resources as well. Yes. And on Twitter, there's um, a lot of people recommending writers, which is very helpful. Jennifer asks, what was it like working with Kurt Sutter on The Shield? It's hard to imagine all of you in a writer's room together. For anyone who doesn't know, Kurt was on The Shield with us and he created Sons of Anarchy. The lightning fast answer to that question is that the vast majority of the time, it was totally fine. Maddie asks, I wondered about this after your bonus episode where you pitched American Beauties, which is totally a show I would have watched, by the way. Yay. Thank you. If you sell your pilot to a network but a pilot never gets made, what are your other options for that story going forward? Uh, not much. No. there You can get the rights back to things, but you might have to pay for them, and it can take a lot of time. Um, we got the rights back for American Beauties to do a fiction podcast, but right. we couldn't make it a TV show without doing it with Warner Brothers. Yes. Which, by the way, we would totally do because yes. we love Warner Brothers. Hey, we love Warner Brothers. Mary asked, what is the hardest decision you've had to make as a writing duo this year? I would say what projects to do. Yes, definitely. And I think we picked right. Yes. Good on us. <laughs> Patty asks, 
Do you pitch shows to Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, in addition to ABC, NBC, and CBS? Rooting for you. Yes, we have, and we increasingly plan to do so. Yes. And then Mary Beth asked, you may have answered this, but what exactly is a best boy in the credits? Very kindly, another person on our Facebook group, (laughs) Jody, answered her. Um, Jody said, he or she is the right hand to the lead lighting person. They generally keep track of what expendables, gel, tape rolls, etc., that are used from the vendor in addition to the agreed-upon rentals. The best boy does inventory to make sure all the rented gear is put back, makes notes of missing or damaged gear, etc. Thank you, Jody. Yes. Okay, Emma says, this is the most random question. How hard do you work to cast actors who look alike if they are family? I just watched Big Little Lies, and they do such a good job of this. I mean, not much. See, we feel differently about this. I get very distracted when people, like, don't look at all alike, and I feel very satisfied when people do look alike. So I tend to push for that, and you don't care as much. Yeah. But you're more visual than I am, so maybe that's why. And you have that face amnesia thing. I do, yes. (laughs) And then Jennifer said, how does being such longtime friends help you in your process? Does it make it harder in any way? Well, I think it's helpful because we trust each other. Um, We always tell writing teams it's good if you've known each other for a long time. Does it hurt? I can't think of any ways that it's harder. No, I think it's helpful. Yeah. Courtney said, will you and Sarah do a happier hour in Hollywood tour similar to the one you and Gretchen are on? (laughs) Maybe. You know, we haven't even thought about it because we've been so insanely occupied with um, TV stuff. Um, But we would like to. Yeah. And maybe if we did it, it would be more like meetups in different cities or something. Yeah. well, We'll see. Something will happen. It always does. Emily said, I've been wondering how it will work logistically to make two pilots at the same time. When you made the pilot for The Fix, it sounded like an all-consuming process, and I wonder how you handle two. Well, as Sarah mentioned, I would be, like, first position point person on one, and Sarah would be point person on the other. So one of us likely would be in New York and one in Miami if they shoot where we'd like them to shoot. Um, But basically, we would just work really hard. Telephone, email, all all hours of the day, yes. all hands on deck. Yes. Um, and because, Violet would maybe even, like, if I had to go to Miami, come with me. Um, you know, because one thing is with network pilots, they really are made at the same time. If you have two streaming pilots, they might be made months apart. But in this case, they would be made probably within days the same exact time. Yeah. But again, the odds of this happening are slim. sadly very slim. Let us hope we have that problem. Maggie asked, I don't know if you've answered this before, but since you mentioned that when you first got to L.A., you did everything you could to meet slash bump into showrunners, could you give some advice on how you did that or where is good to be able to meet and connect with writers slash showrunners? Boy, that's a hard question. It is, but it just made me um, think about earlier in our career, we weren't even showrunners, but I remember younger writers coming up to us at conferences and at WGA events. And we have, in some cases, recommended them, supported them. So what I'm getting from that is your advice is don't just think about meeting showrunners, meet lower-level writers, because they can help you just as much. Yes, and mid-level writers will be showrunners very soon. So it's really about just putting yourself in a writer environment, and you will make the connections you need to make. Yes. 
Heather said, I have been wondering if there are any feelings, emotions, or issues for either of you now that Liz is traveling so much with Gretchen. With the knowledge that you have sold two pilots and have what I am sure is a ton of work to do, how does this affect your work and or relationship? Maybe better put, how do you navigate through this in your partnership and friendship? Well, Mm. first of all, you're traveling on the weekends, which, you know, we generally make off limits anyway. You've been out of town, like, to travel on some weekdays, but not that many. Yeah, and I arranged this, like, months before, of course, we sold these two pilots. (laughs) Probably wouldn't have had as many dates had (laughs) I known we were going to sell two pilots. Um, I do feel really guilty, and I'm constantly apologizing about it, and Sarah's very nice in telling me not to worry about it. And I have been working um, on the road. Yes, so we exactly. are able to move the ball forward. Yeah, your your events are at night, so you're you do stuff during the day. Yes. Most a lot of the stuff we do can be accomplished over the phone and via email. But I, I know um, that you believe feel... that like I have the rest of the year just here to focus. Yes, and I know that you feel super guilty about it, but you really shouldn't. Thank you. Amy says it seems like you and Sarah are living your best life and really fulfilling all of your dreams. Is there anything on the ultimate dream list that you've never shared that would really be the epitome of what you would want to do? Hmm. That we've never shared. I don't know. That we've never shared. I think we've been very open that we would like a hit show. Yeah, I would like a show that's on the air for five years. I don't even care necessarily if it's, quote, a hit. Right, because in this environment, being a hit, there aren't many actual, quote, hits. Yes. Um, And, like... To win an Emmy feels very uh, sort of random. Mm-hmm. Like, it happens sometimes. So most of the time it doesn't. So my very practical answer is I'd like to have a show that's on the air for five years. I would also like to write a bestseller. Oh, that's good. Best says, how is writing for your fiction podcast different from writing for television? Well, when we do more, we'll let you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I do find it very odd to think about, like, the fact that someone's listening and they're not seeing anything. So there's no point in putting in, like, someone's facial expression, yes. which sometimes we do. A lot of the time we write, so-and-so gives so-and-so a look. Yes. We don't do that. Nope. Nina asks, what books or classic works would you love to see turned into a modern TV series? Well, I think the book Mama Day would make an amazing miniseries. Mm -hmm. I would do almost anything for someone to make Mama Day. I think it's like the best book. I start crying now because I've read it so many times Mm -hmm. on page one. (laughs) um, And I would love to see that made into a miniseries. I would, too. I think you introduced me to that book. What's yours, Liz? Well, Sarah, you know that I love Mad Men. So in that vein, I would love to see, like, just John Updike's work of sort of repressed (laughs) um, people living in strained marriages. I would love to see that turned into a show. Anything by John Updike. And then Courtney said, and here's one from my husband, who is a huge The Fix fan. Can you please give Ezra Wolf either his own show or a series of novels? I think you guys already answered that ABC has the rights to the characters, but he wants me to ask. Anyway, he really loved Ezra Wolf. We love Ezra Wolf, too. So much. But no, we can't do that. We actually exchanged some emails with Scott Cohen, who played Ezra, who's just so amazing, about doing that. But... We can't. Maybe we'll think of another great character for Scott Cohen to play instead. Yes. Sirius says, I assume 
being writing partners and friends for so long that you are likely best friends. With that in mind, why not introduce yourselves as best friends in the intro? Well, we are best friends, but I feel like we have other best friends. Like, there's people who are best friends in different ways. So just to, like, make this grand declaration of being of best, best friends yeah, seems like it shuts out other people. Yeah, and I also think, like, we're so many things. Yes, that's true. That, like, to say we're best friends sort of feels, um, I don't know, like, weirdly simplistic or something. Yeah. Like yesterday, I was on a hike with Violet and a friend of hers who is her best friend, but they always kind of go, you're my best friend. Oh, and she's my best friend, but my best friend from school. And she's my best friend, but my best friend, you know what I mean? It kind of seems like that. So I don't know. It's an interesting question. We just haven't even thought about it that way. Yes, we are more than best friends. (laughs) So much more. (laughs) Oh, Liz, this is a good one, though. Good follow-up to that. Krista said, I still would love to know if you're going to do something to commemorate 20 years as writing partners. I mean, when? When would we do this? I know. I think we should. I think if we are somewhere shooting a pilot, we should go out to an insanely expensive dinner. And then if neither of our pilots gets made, we can just, like, cry. Mm -hmm. Happy 20th anniversary. Weep, weep. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely think we should do something. Yeah, maybe a trip, at least a trip to Ojai. That'd be good. Mary asked, how can a writer above 30 to 35 get staffed if they can't afford to be a writer's assistant? Have great material. Yes. You can get staffed. If you are a amazing writer with amazing material. And cool life experience. Yes. You will eventually get staffed, I think. I mean, I can't say that 100%, but the best way to get staffed always is with good material. And you will have to continue working as you, you know, go through the whole process. But it's just hard. It's It's hard for everyone, though. Yes. But great material is always the answer. Yeah. Okay, Liz, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with more listener questions. I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. And we're back. Darren says, I have a burning question. How do you go about writing and pitching a scripted drama podcast? Are you approaching podcasting networks? Is this something a person can do on their own or do you do this through an agent? Normally, understood that it's a different situation than normal at the moment. 
Well, I mean, one thing we have to say is podcasting is not covered under the WGA. So we can use our podcasting agent for Even, fiction and nonfiction during this time. Yes. And then you um, write a treatment, basically, and send it in through your agent to and a see different if a company, and Yeah, and see if a company wants to buy it. Yeah. Now, we're intending to hopefully not do any of that and just do it on our own. But again, we've been spending so much time on our, on our TV job. job that we <laughs> have not been working on our scripted podcast. But that's a great question. Okay, Lori asks, here's an easy one. What's your favorite flavor of Topsy's popcorn from a fellow Kansas Cityan? Cheese. Oh, cheese used to be mine, and now I can't eat it anymore, so I'm going to go with cinnamon. Kathleen asks, what exactly are, quote, notes? Are they just critiques and changes that need to be made to the script? Who gives the notes? What is the process? Mm, good question. Okay, so basically we write something, we send it into the studio and or the network. And the um, producer, non-writing producer. And and this happens in several rounds. And it goes to all of the executives, and there are many levels of executives at every company, whether it's a studio or a network. They all kind of read it and compile their thoughts. And then one or two people gets on the phone with us to say what they think is working, what they think is not working, Sometimes they're very specific. Sometimes they're very general. And then we incorporate those notes as best we can. That's the process, right? Yep. Okay, and Laura asked, what are your favorite words? I'm always fascinated by clever phrases and interesting words. As writers, I bet you have some good ones. My favorite word is mellifluous. Diaphanous. Interesting. We both have a f. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kelly asks, what is your take on hashtag pay up Hollywood and the current push to reform Hollywood standards for assistance? Sorry, I just thought of another favorite word. What? My other favorite word is senescence. Ooh, that's a good one. It's a good one. Well, I mean, we're absolutely in favor of paying assistance more. It's not a living wage. It is a problem. As showrunners, we have like zero control over what assistants get paid. It's not as if we get to say, hey, we want to take more money out of the budget to give assistants a raise. Um, One thing we've decided to do is in the future is not use them for free overtime because that will, I think, illuminate how much they do and how much they're worth. And showrunners who are more powerful, certainly than we are, are speaking up on this issue. And I think they do have the power to make a difference moving forward. So I'm very glad that it's, you know, out in the light. Yes, it's really important. And that's it for our Lightning Listener Questions episode. Thank you all for the amazing questions. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And of course, join our Facebook group. And thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, the awesome Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and the new podcast from Whole30's Melissa Urban, Do the Thing. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft, and Sarah is at S. Fain. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. 
And I'm Liz Kraft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. You know another word that I love? Mm. Toque. The chef's hat. T-O-Q-U-E. Oh. Because it's so specific. Yeah. It's nice when there's a specific word for a very specific object. Mm, That reminded me of Q. I like Q. Q Q-U-E-U-E. What's that? It's just kind of cute. Getting in a Q. A line. (laughs) (laughs) From the Onward Project.